Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. Why does the church exist? Like, what is the church? Why is it significant? How should the church operate? Like, what is this? And so that's kind of was like why we came up with these, this idea. And um, we're told the church is the bride of Christ, also the body of Christ. It's the bride speaks to it being highly valuable and uh, of, of great worth with great potential. And it is the primary way that God is using us and wants to use us, is, is, is how he's doing what he's doing, is through the church. Individuals together through the body being built up by one another. So we've been going through um, the four questions of, of the what, the who, the why, and the how of church. So we did the what and the who last week. Um, what is the church? It's the body, again, the body of Christ or the bride of Christ, where Jesus is the head. We're all members, different parts, members of the body. We'll talk more about that today. We work together under the authority of Jesus. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to represent Christ and reach the world with the resources and the gifts we've been given. That's what the church is who is the church? Ecclesia, the the assembled, the assemb- the the congregation. It's it's more than just uh, me. It's it's together. And again, it's the primary vessel used to accomplish the mission, the will of God. We're living in the church age, where God is accomplishing what He wants to do through the church, through through the church. And so, there's two expressions of the church. There's both the the local church, which is we're steadfast church in Carlsbad and San Diego and California and, and the United States and, you know, North America on earth. I don't know if there's any ministries happening anywhere else um, than earth, but, uh, and we're part of the universal church, which means that we're united with all those who have come before us and those who will come after us. We have common roots and we're connected. We're part of something way bigger than ourselves, which is really cool too. So uh, yeah, we're also told we're, we're both saints and we're priests. We're set apart to be kingdom ambassadors, to be ambassadors of a different kingdom, to tell of our king, to tell of our values and who we are and what we are. So uh, yeah, so that is like kind of like a little basic rundown of the what and the who, if you want to, not the who, the band, um, if you want to get more, you can go back and, and watch that. It should be on our YouTube channel. But um, so let's pray and we'll get into the why and the how of church. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your benevolence towards us, that you care that you did not abandon hope in the human project. In what you started here, you, you've, you're continuing it. You're restoring it. And you're inviting us yet again to be part of it. Just like Adam and Eve were partners. They were brought in to be partners of what you were doing, to take part in it and working with you and working together. And you've, you've restored that through Jesus, that now we have access. We now have access to the Father. We now can come 
before, to the throne room with boldness. We can come before you and, and not have to like have all these you know, provisions made to, to deal with all of our failings and sins and death because you sent your son because you loved us to take on sin and death and then to free us from it forever in him. So Lord, I pray you'd awaken us to the privilege it is to be part of the church and to the excitement of like the possibilities of what you can do with a church that is uh, on mission and stoked on following you. So God, we pray you'd speak to us by your spirit. Lord, through your word, give us ears to hear and eyes to see in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So why, why is the church so important? Why is the church so important? What's God's plan and mission for the church? And what's at stake if we don't become part of that? That's where we'll be looking at for our first part here. As I've already mentioned, the church is, is God's vessel, primary vessel in which he's accomplishing his will. It's what he's chosen to use. Uh, and again, that speaks to partnership. That, that we're doing this with him. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing to do it together with him. So if the church isn't present, if the church isn't operating the way they're supposed to be operating, we're going to see that reflected in society. There will be a real impact to the rest of the world if the church is absent. We see this. We know this. And so the question is, well, how do we find ourselves, our place in this? Why is it so important that the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing, and, and how does that work itself out? 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26. For as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. We live in an individualist society. We know this, right? Like, we're, 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 we're just, it's just like, how does that affect me? You know, I don't, like, what? Sarah McLaughlin, I know you're singing about the dogs, but like, you know, you remember the dog commercials? Will you remember? I'm like, oh, okay. Turn it off. I got stuff to do, you know. It, 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 we live in an individualist society. Um, there's, there's some, I guess, some pros to that. There's a lot of cons, um, especially because uh, when, when dealing with the church. And, and this is where, this was really interesting, is, is when we're looking at Scripture, we've got to be careful of the lens in which we interpret it. And we've got to always be willing to be correctable and be corrected. As to where the way I think, if I, if I come to an impasse of the way I think and the, what God says, we've got to be willing to say, well, he's the one that wins. But a lot of times, especially in the world that we live in and, and in an individualist society, an a la carte society, you can basically find a, a way to make it exactly what you want it to be. 
You can make Jesus exactly how you would, you would choose him to be and your, your experience with believers exactly how you'd want it to be and, and your uh, social media experience with the algorithm to be exactly what you would want it to be. I only watch these YouTube videos. I only read these articles. I'm only about this. And it's so, it, it, it caters to every little part of us that makes us feel a, a lot more sure of things that we shouldn't be. And so part of being a believer is constantly being in that place where we're coming again and again and be like, where am I off? Search me and know me. See if there's anything in me that's off, that's not where it's supposed to be. There's a humility that is necessary to stay true to being a believer and to acting as the church. Because not only does it happen in individuals like you and me, but the attitude starts taking place in the church and this is where like, things like tribalism happen. Our church is good, that church is bad. They do that, they, oh, they're like this, but we're like this, mm, yeah. I, I, I know the way they think, but you know, thankfully, we're not like that. We follow Jesus, you know. And there's like this arrogance that comes through that. But there's, there, what we should know, it's like, there for the grace of God go I. I know I'm easily deceived and easily tricked, and, I, and it's easy for me to form the gospel to my own thinking and understanding. But what we're seeing here in 1 Corinthians is that we're part of, we're part of a body with a head. This is, this is a kingdom. And what does a king, kingdom have? It's in the first part. A king. So we're, we're under submission unto Christ. He's the head. And so we're, we find ourselves not autonomous, like, like oh, I'll do whatever I want for Jesus. I'm going to make it my own way. I'm going to carve my own path. And it's going to be like, you know, I don't, whatever he says, I know that's cool, whatever. And whatever the church does, I'm not part of that. And I, I used to think, really, I, I was like that. I don't want to be part of the church. Of course, you're usually talking about like an expression of the church. But the greater church is exactly how God is looking to sanctify us, prepare us, equip us, and empower us to go out with, the, with the, the safety guard of people with you, protect protection of others, prayers of others, um, maybe even the constructive criticism of others that are able to see, hey, man, like that's actually not from the Bible. That's from you. We used to always uh, attribute that to the good book. You know, like, I feel like parents always have that, like dads or grandpas. It's in the, where's that? That's like, that's not in the Bible. It's in the good book. It's different than the Bible. But it's much more powerful. Um, so we live in this individualistic society, uh, but we're part of a body with a head that it requires us to work together. So there's something where we have to fight the individuality in the church and recognize that if, if there's a problem with that, it's our problem. And that it's actually not going to help us by segregating ourselves. And that's what a lot of times when people become Christians. They go, oh, well, then we better move away and find ourselves a little barricade where none of the world will come in and taint me. I'll just be there all by myself. And you'll be totally crazy. And you'll come up with all these crazy ideas and the only people that will be around you are also crazy people. But this is meant to be worked out in both in the community of the church and around those who are on the outside. That was the point. This is why the church exists. Especially if this is how God's primary 
vessel for meeting the world with the good news of the gospel. Us. But notice the unity here in the first couple verses uh, that we're reading here. There's one baptism, right? Into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So that'd be like one status, one people, one spirit. And so it's, it all works together. It's, it's one. We are together as one, yet we're going to see different members. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? God has masterfully set us. He set us exactly where we are meant to play a part that only we can fill. Uh, this, is, this speaks of great diversity of how God has made and wired each one of you. And, and that's, I think we kind of understand that we're all like a perfect snowflake and, you, you know, individual and unique. And we got like the different thumbprints and all that, right? But like if the, the, the part that gets missing is not that you're, you're, you're special, you're different, all that. It's that that is meant to be brought together where you're with a lot of different people that think a lot of different ways, have a lot of different gifts. You're, you're, you're meant to bring all of that together to form the body of Christ, which represents him to the world. He's, he's masterfully put us in this place. We all seek Obviously, something that makes us unique. I, th I think most of us do. Maybe you're part of the percent that's like, I just hope I look like everyone else and act like everyone. I hope I just blend in for the rest of my life. That might be you. You're, you're an introvert, and you're like, just don't ever make me look different than anyone. I just kind of like, you know, if, if no one knew my name, that would be okay. Most people, though, they want, they want, they want they're, they're driven to feel like they have a place in the world, like, I, I'm different. I have something different. I'm, I'm made different. I'm unique. They, also, they want to know that there's a, there's a place for them. So obviously, and the world is looking for, like, how, do I, how am I unique? How am I different? What's funny is, is the way it usually comes out is, is the more people who think they're different, they all end up being different exactly the same way, and so they're not different at all. I think the greatest variety you'll ever find is healthy, a healthy church in its expression where we have all kinds of different people who are, who, who are connected with Jesus so they know who they are and the, the spirit of the living God is working in them and the God who is the creator it has full reign in their hearts so that he can make the most spectacular, different, full expression of like broad range, beautiful, creative, you know, eclectic work. I love that. I think people are looking for that. They want to be part of that. They don't know where to look. And they think that the odd thing is, is from the outside, I know because when you talk to people from the outside, they think that becoming a Christian is becoming like you're like, a, it's like a cult thing. And all of a sudden you like start, th stop thinking your own thoughts and you're kind of like, 
you know, and they're just like staring and you, you're no longer your, who you were. And you just, and it's like, that is the exact opposite of what the church is supposed to look like. When it's being described by Paul in 1 Corinthians, he's saying, you guys are all really different and you're all really unique. Don't try and be anything that you're not. Be who you are. Be useful for who you are because as a body, we need one another. So what sounds different actually isn't, which shouldn't be surprising, right? The world only has so many things. They're all, it's all kind of the same. It's like, it, it looked, it's like so crazy if you look back at history. It's the same thing over and over again, which is like why Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same stuff over and over again. Yet the creative uh, input from the church, when, when th- this is where a lot of the best things that we've seen in the world were founded, things like hospitals, orphanages, like the Red Cross was, was started as a Christian organization. Those who are willing to, to run in when everybody else is running out. Some of the v- most beautiful art, some of the best music. This was, this was done by Christians. Uh, some of the greatest scientists with the idea of even coming up with science, they were believers. Why? Because they're, they're amazed by the grandeur of God. It's a, it's a sign of worship. The further you get into it, the more you go, this is huge. And yet we constantly have this thing in us where we, where we find, okay, well, then that's my niche, and I'm going to take that. And then you sterilize it, and you put walls around it and says, well, okay, we'll do this, but it can't have anything to do with the thing that made it fun and creative and cool. We'll do music, and we'll play these songs, and we're so individual, but everybody sounds the same. We're all asking the same questions. We all have the same issues. This is, this is the answer. And it's, and it's because we're plugged into the source. Jesus as the head. Instead of, we should be calling out gifts in people. That's part of the idea, is the body of Christ edifying and building up one another. Why is the church important? Because it helps us realize where we are and our place, how we fit. I'll tell you right now, the reason I'm here right now is because of a certain man by the name of Jim Shear. I love this man. He, um, when I first met him, I didn't like him. I didn't like, that's, well, that was pretty standard for me back then. I just was like looking at him like, I don't like you. You know what's crazy? He also says, I didn't like you either. And I thought, that's cool. I appreciate that, you know? So that's where we started. Now we're like, it's my boy. He's like my mentor. And he, we ended up meeting for lunch because um, God had changed my life through a, a whole bunch of kind of crazy, chaotic situations that had brought me to the place where I surrendered, finally surrendered to God fully. I was broken. And he says, hey, let's go to lunch sometime. And I'm like, okay. This is what you, I know you have to say, let's go to lunch sometime. That's the pastor thing, right? You know? So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do it. So we end up meeting up, and we start talking, and he starts digging into my life and asking me questions. And I'm like, well, this guy's really cool. <laughs> he, like, genuinely seemed to care. And, and as we're talking, we start really liking, we become buddies, like, in one conversation. And he starts seeing stuff in me, and he says, hey, you know, I think, you, I think you'd be really good helping with the youth. I think it'd be really cool if you started to help with the youth group. Um, you should, let's set that up. Let's see about like maybe just, you know, whatever, kind of being around. And so I ended up going and hanging out with the youth pastor and saying, hey, can I, um, 
can I help with the youth? The church I was at was a giant church. And he's like, first of all, who are you? Um, second of all, okay, cool. Just sit in the back and watch. Like, just be around for like a month and just see if it's something you want to be around. And then after a month, he, we'd been talking and he says, you can go in the prayer room. And I had, I, you know, I was a pretty new believer at the time myself. And, and I had these kids coming in. They're like, start unloading all this stuff on me. I'm like, oh, I'm not prepared for this, you know. But all of a sudden, I, 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 God sparked something in me, and I was like, I want to help these kids. Because I was like, I, I saw myself in them, and I'm like, I, I remember being so confused and dark. I remember feeling like alone and being desperate and just like not feeling good at all. And so I, I, I started like studying. They'd ask me questions. be like, I don't know. I'll be back next week with the answer. And they asked me to pray for them. I'm like, I've never really prayed for anyone, but okay, here we go. And you start forging relationships. This was like 2002. So yeah, I'm still helping with camps. It's 2024, which is crazy. I said that to the kids, and I think they started looking down on me. They're like, I was like, were any of you born in 2002? And I did the math. I'm like, 22. No, you weren't. Only leaders. <sighs> anyway. But, but it, was, it was him calling me out, and then he said, hey, man, I think, you're, I think you're called into ministry. Have you thought about doing the intern program? And so they, he brought me into the intern program, and he, and he starts speaking into my life. I had no vision. I had no direction. I didn't know what I was doing. But he saw something in me. So then I became the guy. And I would sit there and I, we would have our, all these kids come around. And there was a ragtag group. And I always had the, the worst kids always came to me. You know, like the ones who were always like the troubled. There was like the good leaders. And they got the good kids. It was like that was their payment for being good. You know, I had the ones that were like all, hey, what's up? And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're... I know you're coming with me because you have like a tattoo and you're 15 on your face. Um, so come on, let's go. <laughs> and I, w I, loved, I loved being around them and I started to realize things in these kids and I'd start speaking them out to them. I remember this one kid, I said, hey, do you know you're a leader? Do you know you're like a born leader? Like God has put like leadership in you and you're leading all your friends the wrong direction. <laughs> But that's not what he intends. He intends for you to be a leader in a good way. And I watched this kid. It was hard. His eyes opened. He was, he, was, he was enlightened. He was like, what? Like, God wants to do something with me? And it motivated him. And all of a sudden, he's like, guys, we're going to Bible study. And they're like, oh, cool, man. Yeah, Bible study's cool now. He said it's cool. We're going, you know. But it's because we speak out, we, we see people, and we're able to call people out and encourage them in their gifts. One of the biggest lies that there is out there is that uh, if, if you're to be a, a real Christian, it's like, I've got to be working for as a missionary or as a pastor. As a, no, 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 no. God has called each one of us as to be scientists and musicians and accountants, and uh, those who clean, and those who uh, mow lawns, and those who set up infrastructure to, to rule and subdue and be part of partnering and making the world a more beautiful place for the glory of God. But we each find our place. You know what it would look like if it was the whole church was pastors, it was all a bunch of pastors. I'll tell you what it looks like, because I go to pastors' conferences. You know what happens at pastors' conferences when pastors speak? The pastors leave. They can't listen to anybody else. They'd be the worst church ever. I'm sorry, I just threw them under the bus. I keep that in mind. I tried to sit, you know. 
you see them all sitting outside. You're like, aren't you guys uh, wanting to go in there? Listen. Oh, you know, I think I've heard it all before. You're like, yeah, I, I wonder how you would handle that if you heard that from one of your people in your congregation. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, pastors, you know, whoever's out there. But no, there's different members, different parts of the body. And the point of the church is to edify, to build up, to strengthen one another, to go out into mission in our own unique places. So why is the church important? It's because it's the place where our, we realize who we are. We realize our purpose and our calling. And then we start to see, well, God, I know, I know what you're doing. I know that you have a plan. I know you want to use us. I know that there's, there's a part where I'm a, you want me to be a part of this. How is that actualized? How is that realized in my context? And it might be the case where it can't be. Like, your job is no good. Like, you got to go. Like, there's some jobs like that. Like, I got to get out of this one. But most people, it's not like that. You, you, You realize, like, I actually can do something with this. I can be used in this way. And the church is there to to encourage one another along the way. Verse 20. But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think are less honorable, uh, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but the presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part that which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. One another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. The church is the place where we come and we encourage growth, where we come and we bring our gifts and we bring who we are for the mutual edification. Our partnership with God becomes our partnership with one another. As we're partnering with what God's doing, we're doing it partnering with one another. That means team players. That means unity. That means being part of something bigger than ourselves. And the whole thing is, the, our, our Christian life has been, was always meant to be worked out in community and will only be really realized in community. Otherwise, I've, if, if, you, if you isolate, you start to feel like you're a really good Christian really fast because you don't have to work it out on anybody. Like, I love the idea of forgiveness until someone wrongs me and then I actually have to, no, you meant like, a, I, have to, I actually have to forgive a real person? I like the idea of it. Oh yeah, if only everyone forgave each other, wouldn't that be so godly? And then someone hurts, hurts you like bad. And it's, it's like in the way that it hurts them. Start working that out. Or what about if you've been, say, offended and you realize that you can't, you're, if you're working in a community as a body in unity together, you can't just blow them off and be like, eh, whatever, I'm done with you. Time to find a new church. Time to find a new this. Time to find a new community. Time to find whatever. You're done. Chop. Gone. So 
So God set up each one of us together because we need one another. If you're missing out, of course it affects you the most, but it affects all of us because you bring something to the table. Just like any part of your body hurts, even if it's small, it, 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 it matters. I've told the story before I, when I broke my toe and all of a sudden my ankle hurt, my knee hurt, my hip hurt, my back hurt, my neck hurt, everything hurt. So you start walking weird, you know? It's just the toe. Like why? I mean, I've got 10. If one of them's broken, that's okay, right? No, every part matters. And if one part suffers, they all suffer. Now, um, maybe you've experienced this where, and I think this is a sign of like where you're buying into the body, where if you hear of something tragic with someone and you like weep for them, you feel like it like, it like guts you too. That is what it means to be a body. Because it's like, if, if my toe gets hurt, it's not like the rest of my body's like, eh, whatever. It's like, it's, it's like all focused on the toe. Like what, what can we do? And the hand's like, maybe we can just kind of rub it. Well, that didn't work. And then the knee's like, well, I can kind of prop it up. Let's see if we can, you know, get it to relieve its pressure sometimes. And the brain's working overtime. Like, what can we do? How can we do this? But God set it up like this. Why? Because this needs to be the witness to the world. This is part of our evangel evangelistic campaign to, to tell the good news of the gospel, the transformative work of what God can do is because we get to work our stuff out so they can see us do it together. And again, this is where the perception of the church, remember the first one was that we're all the same, we all look the same, boring, blah, whatever. The other perception of the church is everyone there is perfect, they don't have to work. The church is meant to be a place where stuff is worked out. Where it's, it should be a place where you know you can go and get help and, and process and work together and make ground. So when we come in here, if you come in here just like, I just hope that, all, that no one can see any of the leaks, any of the issues, any of the stuff, you know? Nothing, that they can't see the holes in my pants or the whatever. No, but we come in willing to do the work of together. And this is exactly what God had planned to use us. Coordination, you think about coordination, it's literally, it's working together in unison for a goal. If we're uncoordinated, like it means your body is not in unity. I was just talking to Chris, like I was 5'3 in ninth grade and I was 6'3 by my junior year. So you know what that means? That means, that means my sophomore year, Chris wasn't so coordinated, okay? Like trying to play soccer and I'm just like, I swear I can kick this ball. But I'm like missing it, I'm slow, my feet are all, you know, whatever, you're tripping. Your shoe size is like, you know. I I've like feel like I have clown feet, you know. Like, everybody's like, I thought this kid was good. Well, he was last year. And it's because you're, you're not working together. Your body's not working together. It doesn't know each other. And, and we were talking about how you start lifting weights, and all of a sudden you start, your body starts working together to accomplish a goal. And then, and then all of a sudden you start going like, okay, so, so that's where my arms, and that's where my chest is, and then that's as far as my arms go. Okay, all right, calibrate, 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 calibrate. Next thing you know, you're more coordinated. 
The more you spend time doing it, you become more and more coordinated. What is coordination? It's your body working together. So what does it look like with a healthy church? A coordinated church that's working together, that knows one another, that strengths the weaknesses, all of this, but it's together. So the more divisive the the body or the church, the more uncoordinated the church, the less it's able to give to the world. It takes time. It takes work. But this is all meant to be seen and experienced. The first time you play guitar, how many play guitar in here? How many many guitar players, right? First time you play guitar, you're like, how do my fingers, are they supposed to do that? First of all, it feels like they're bleeding, just trying to hold the strings down. And then you want me to stretch it to where? Like, it's like a bar chord, like, it's impossible. You can't hold that down and do it. And you're like seeing someone do it, like, no, it isn't impossible. You're like, it is. Maybe not for you. You have no idea for me. It's actually impossible because you don't know my limitations. And you're like, oh, I guarantee you, if you just keep on working at this and you put time into this, not only will it not be impossible, it will become enjoyable. And that's where a lot of where we get stuck. I want to become a guitar player. Well, do you? You're not going to be able to do that just by saying you want to. It's going to take time. It's going to be painful. It's not going to always be easy. But this is how you get to where you want to go. The church, it's not always going to be easy. In the home groups, you're going to be able to be together and bring stuff up together and go through stuff together and probably disagree sometimes. Oh, no. But it's meant to be worked out together um, and you become more coordinated, you start to honor and love and appreciate each other, not because you're the same, but actually because you're different. Remember that, that you think, oh, I, I just wish I had a bunch of people that are just like me, and then you're like with someone that's like you, and you're like, absolutely not. I'm sick of me. I didn't realize it, but I don't like me next to me. But you start finding people that are like very different than you, and you go, I like you. You are a mystery. And you're like, I already know what me, I already know what I am. Not a mystery to me. But we start to appreciate the differences and then we can start to work together. And we get to do it together. And that's a witness to the world that we value and care about each other enough. And this is part of the, again, the individualist in us, we want to cut and run. We want to, it's like, as long as I'm safe, I'm good. As long as I'm comfortable, I'm good. But what did, what did Jesus say in John 13, verses 34 through 35? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is a witness to the world. And do you know what love is? Love is Who's the people I love the most in the world is my family. Who's the people that I know the failures and flaws of the most? My family. You can't really love someone without really knowing someone. And you can't really know someone without being vulnerable and enough to be known yourself. It starts with God and then it works its way into one another. First John reminds us of that. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship. We allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and we walk in unity just all in, on the same 
playing field. Just so grateful for the grace of God. So that would be like the why. So how about how? How's the church to operate? What's the church supposed to do? As a body, building one another up, obviously, and digging deep to build a good foundation. You guys know um, New York skyscrapers? Some of them are just so insane. Uh, we were, where were we at the other day? I think it was like Oceanside or something. And Hazel, my littlest one, she was like, I do not like how tall that building is. And it was like, I don't know, like five stories or something. And she's like, that is, that is freaking me out. And we're like, Hazel, you know, if we go to New York, do you know what it's like in New York? Do you know? Because, you know, Canada might be doing Cooperstown or whatever. So we're like, if we ended up going to New York, do you know what it's like to see these buildings? Just, they're just unbelievable. But you know that the foundations for the skyscrapers go down like 150 feet or more. They got to get down to bedrock. They got to get all the way down to the foundation. So what do they do? They get rid of all the junk dirt. And you might see even a project around here, something that's two or three stories, you'll see them 30 feet down. What are they doing that low? It's because the foundation is everything. You could build a giant building, and if the foundation isn't built right, that thing is going to be leaning or super dangerous. It's all about the foundation. The foundation must be right, or you can't build anything lasting. This is the idea of do you build on the rock or the sand? And so we, we go back to the rock, Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, those who have been called in, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being, built, being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place uh, of God in the Spirit. We are part of being built together with a good foundation. What's the foundation? Jesus says the cornerstone on, on the church that the apostles were part of founding. We're gonna read those acts. That We're gonna look at Jesus first. We're gonna talk again about, read it again, the Great Commission. And then we're gonna look again at Acts 2, at the church that was founded on the beginning. So we look at these things and we, we recognize what is the foundation we're built on. And sometimes you gotta look around, especially when you're like, is this even, does this church, does this even remotely look like what we think that church would look like? Some of its context. We live in a different world and I think it could take all kinds of different expressions. So I think it can be, but that's something you've gotta look at because you go, if, if all that our church has become is an entertainment center or, you know, whatever, name a million different things, political outposts, whatever, if we've done, if that's all it becomes, then you've missed the point because it's supposed to be laid on what's the foundation? Jesus is the foundation. That is what we build everything off of. So anything else we got to scrap, we'll scrap. If it's got to go, it's got to go. Like, you know, you know how it is. If you're building Legos and you messed up on step one, you're back to step one. As much as you try and get around it, you're going to have to go backwards. You're going to have to start over. So we're joining with, as the local church, right, our expression of the church, the local, we're joining with the universal church, 
and founding it on these bedrock principles. Sacraments. What do we do? We baptize. We have baptism. Because remember, we get to do those ocean baptisms. They're just so joyful and so much fun. We go and we get just to, to watch as this is like a sign of in, old man in, new man out, washed away in the water. It's like, it's a symbol. And what is that? What is the baptism? What does baptism do? It reminds us of the transformative work of the gospel, that we're not just like kind of like a little bit better version of ourselves, but we're new creations in Christ Jesus, that the news is just so good. And it reminds us of our new identities that are found in him. The old has been washed away. You no longer are what you thought you were before. You're no longer held by the sin that might have held you. You are now a new creation that's been created for new good works. You're his workmanship. He's created you for good. Now you get to walk in him. Welcome to the team. And then, you, so you're baptized and you're brought up and then you're brought into a community where I don't even know how many we had at the last baptism. Was there like 80 people there waiting, watching, clapping, cheering? And it's a symbol as they're, as they're going in, everyone's surrounded by like, you know, you know, the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews. It's like our own little kind of great, you know, I don't want to get all biblical, but like pretty good crowd of witnesses where we're watching everybody and we're going, yes, we see you. That's so awesome. And they come up. First thing you do is usually they give, they give like whoever baptized a hug. Yes. And then they go back to their family or whoever's there and they're just like, they embrace. And it's like, yes, we love this. And then everyone else around them is just like, yeah. And we party, we have like hot dogs and hang out. So baptism, that's something we're told as the church, that's something that we're, we do. It's part of the repent, baptize. It's all part of the process of letting the world know that I'm no longer what I was. I'm a new creation. I'm turning my back on the old. My mind has changed. I used to think this way. I used to go that way. My mind has been changed. I'm now going this way. I, I now have new values. I actually now have a new purpose and a new mission. I'm no longer going to be held by being an individualist. I am now part of a body. I have signed on to be part of the, the great church, the universal church, and I'm finding my way in how to become a better part of the universal church in a lo local church context. And what's the other one? Communion, the Lord's Supper, where we do, we do it like once a month. We did it last week, right? where you, you go and you have the bread that represents the body of Jesus and you have the, the, the cup that represents the blood of Jesus. And what does that do? It reminds us of the great gift that he's given us and it reminds us that we cannot do this on our own. It was all him and it will continue to be his great grace for us and then his Holy Spirit living inside of us. So we build on these things and we remember these things and we remember the Great Commission in Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all these things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, therefore, make disciples. What is making disciple? Can you make a disciple without ever talking to someone? Probably not. Disciples are made together. We walk, we talk. Let's go, let's do this together. 
Let's figure this out together. What's the idea of like a, an apprentice? They go along with you. They get to see how you do it. Then they let you do it. You get to try. Okay, now you try. Oh, cool. Okay, here's something I'd, I'd fix. Or here's something maybe you didn't know or realize or whatever. This is disciples. These are disciples. And it's built in relationship. Making disciples of all nations. So that means our call is not just local, but it's, it's, it's also abroad, out. Not just, it's not just about me, but when I'm changed, I'm able to speak of a, of a changing message that changes other people. We're spurred on towards mission. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's something that Jesus said to do, so that's why we do it. Teaching them to observe all things, that they would know what they believe, right? We talked a little bit about that too. Knowing what we believe and why we believe it. Um, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. How beautiful is that? We learn from our heritage. We build on the apostles' foundations. We correct and reorient ourselves when we find we're off. And by the way, I think it's really important to have the mindset to think, I'm probably going to be off a lot. You know, I'm probably, I'm probably going to get twisted up here or there or whatever and be, be correctable and teachable. Lord, bring people into my... I, I am so grateful for the people in my life that have helped me to, to grow because some of the ideas, I remember I had some ideas, especially when I first got saved. I was like, have you ever thought about that if it was like this? And I thought it was profound. In my head, like, I just figured out something no one's ever figured out in my life or in anyone, you know, in history. But, you know, the adage is, if it's new, it isn't true. If it's true, it isn't new, that sort of a thing. Yeah, but pretty special, you know what I mean? And I'd bring it up to someone, they're like, oh, oh, okay, that's cool. But... This is what this, the Bible says. And you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> supposed to quote that? Supposed to know that? Anyway, it's part of being around people. Um, so again, we're going to read through what the early church, post-Pentecost, God has, has poured out his spirit, which is, which is what we have, the Holy Spirit, the same spirit living inside of Jesus, living inside of us. And what did Jesus say? You guys are going to do stuff. You're going to get to be part of what I was doing. You're going to go off. It's going to be about what what. I do through you, through the Spirit. And so we get a glimpse of that in Acts chapter two. We read it last week, but we're gonna read it again because I think it's, it's, it's when we talk about the, the how of church, this is really good. Apostles, you know, we're talking about building on the apostles, doctrines and beliefs and where they were at. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So learning and community, right? So they're growing in their knowledge of God and in their community. Orthodoxy would be uh, right understanding. Orthopraxy would be right application. So you're learning but as you're in fellowship, you're learning how to apply it. And those are really important. Uh, in the breaking of bread and in prayers, being able to be together. And then fear came upon every soul. Many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and all things in common. 
They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Do you see the death to individual selfishness? All of a sudden, now I care about other people. This is, by the way, this is not like an advertisement for like socialism or something like that. This is like, this is, this is people saying, I love you, I care about you, and I see you hurting, and I want to help you. So whatever I have, you have. Whatever, you, whatever is something that you need, I've got, and if I got it, I'll give it to you. This is people who genuinely care about one another. Like, you know, like your kids. You'll figure out a way. Cannon outgrew his bat because he's outgrowing everything. He's got size 11 feet. He's 12. Come on, man. What are you doing? He's eating as much as me. Like, he waits. He's not listening because he's at camp. He waits till I order to see what I order to know where the, the ceiling is. And he's like, I think I'll have that too. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? It's 12. You're 12. No, you order first off the kid's meal. And then <laughs> I'm coming through and I'm ordering the full. No, it's like, no, I, what do I, we're going to make a way. But he outgrows everything and he's, he outgrows his bat. I'm like, oh, bats are like $500. Well, not on offer up. So what am I doing? I'm, I'm like, okay. Found one. Drive to Temecula to go get it. <laughs> 50 bucks. Yes. Guess what, dude? We figured out a way. That's the idea. You love someone, you figure out a way. Doesn't mean you have to have all the resources in the world, but whatever, what you have, whatever you can, you can do it. You can do, you, you know what? That's, that's what love is. You figure out a way. You make a way. So they continue daily with one accord in the temple. One accord is what? Unity. And breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They just enjoyed it. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Again, like we said last week, it works. It works. Because this is like, this is the good news people are looking for. That there's a place that you could be known and you can know. We see our church and its current struggles in light of its history and mistakes and all that. We don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. This is the bride of Christ. He loves his church. He loves his bride. Flaws and all. But he realizes this is, the God who, this is where God redeems, restores, and desires to use our growth as a witness to the world of what he can accomplish, what he can do. What a joy it is to be a part of that. What an honor it is to be a part of the church, to have a place in what like he's doing. And I think that's, that's what's so beautiful. He's, he's created us to enjoy that together. There's a quote from um, Meaning of Marriage where Tim Keller, he says this, and this is, this is I think, the best place as far as worked out in context of our culture together, like how we do things together and how we're, we, the, the perception of the church and what it is versus the real thing and what the gospel really is and how it really reaches and touches people where they're at. And I actually shared this quote at camp. I had some kids ask, like, bring it up. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. 
Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's the kind of a community that, that has grace for one another. That's the type of community that, that God can work with, that knows that, you're deep, that they're deeply flawed and there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of mess, not just in yourself, but in everybody in here, but that also, at the same time, each person in here is so valued and loved and cared about that they're so worth investing in. So we get to be part of the church. This is the bride of Christ. We are his bride. He loves us. He gave up his life for us. We get to live our lives for him, honoring and glorifying him, speaking praises and, and living our lives just with purpose and mission and bringing others along the way. So cool. Isn't it so cool? Let's, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you have made a way. You didn't give up on us. You didn't go to plan B. It was always your intent to use your people. And, and so it is your intent to use the church. And we're part of that. So help us to realize what that means. Lord, help us to experience that. Not just like lip service, but that even with this like new season of like community groups, that we would start to realize that you want to transform us in a, in a way that we didn't think possible that we would experience things we maybe didn't think you know, we could and that we would be known in a way we didn't think we could be known and that would, there would be um, unity and wisdom and, and multitude of counselors and that there would be encouragement and um, God, that you just use us as you want to as different parts of the body to, to what? What's the, to edify one another and then to go out and to talk about all the good things you've done because we experienced them first. That we would speak out of like a, a deep understanding and experiential um, place. Not just because we heard it, but because we lived it. We've experienced it ourselves. We thank you for the radical grace of God. We thank you for your radical grace, your radical love for us, the the radical sacrifice, send your son, despising the shame, taking on all the shame, taking on all the guilt because of the joy set before us of making us reconciled with you. You find great pleasure in that. And so help us to find that same pleasure and to enjoy it forever with you. Thank you for this church. I, I love these people. You love them more. We pray that we would just like grow together in such a cool way, encouraging, building, shaping, and that we would look more and more appealing to the outside world and, and that those who are uh, on the outside would start coming inside. <laughs> and we'd see people saved and lives transformed just like you did to us. So expand our, our, our vision, expand our mission, expand our, our expectation you want to do way more than we ever thought, but it just takes us surrendering to you and working together in relationship with you and one another. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Fill us with your spirit to accomplish what you've called us to do. And help us to, 
take action where you want us to take action, to um, correct what needs to be corrected, to have the boldness to change things if they need to be changed, and that we would just reap all the benefits of enjoying you and letting you, you be known in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless. Thank you.